Hi everyone and welcome back to our journey through Hanukkah, exploring some of the deep themes that the rabbis, that Chazal, the ancient rabbis bring out. And what we've got to is the struggle between Yosef and the brothers, Joseph and his brothers who sold into slavery in the biblical text in Tanakh and certainly in the rabbinic texts, are, are seen as, as precursors, as, as kind of events that foreshadowed the struggles with Hanukkah, partly because Hanukkah was actually, began certainly as an internal struggle with Jews assimilating into Greek ideology and Greek thinking, and ultimately struggles within the Jewish people that made us vulnerable to the oppression that came later. And we ended last time by pointing out that all these different attributes and personalities of Yosef, Joseph on the one hand, and the brothers who want to sell him into slavery are things we'll experience within ourselves too. And in fact, they were experienced within the founder of the Jewish people, within Yaakov, Jacob, who gets the very name Israel. Because he himself has two wives. He has the wife Rachel and the wife Leah, right? And Rachel and Leah are the mothers of Yosef, Joseph on the one hand, and 10 of the tribes, but uh, Yehuda, Judah in particular, on the other, who are the ones who are going to who clash in the original sale of Yosef. They clash in later on when the kingdom is divided. It's the, it's the um, descendants of Yehuda of Judah that becomes King David, King Solomon, right? David and Shlomo Melech. And also against them, Yerovah Menavot, the northern kingdom splits typically along the lines of Yosef's descendants, Joseph's descendants. And, and even when there's an alternative king who tried to unify the whole nation, it's Binyamin, it's from Rachel's descent. So King Shaul, King Saul is actually a descendant again of Rachel, of Rachel. So, and, and King David himself makes great pains to keep them unified. He marries, he's married into the family of, of, um, of Shaul, of King Saul, who comes from Rachel, comes from Rachel. And he keep, always makes sure to keep that family alive. So this issue of unifying the two is something that's thematic and brought up by the rabbis as something that has to occur in the Hanukkah story. Now, Yaakov himself has these two wives, and that's because they express very, very different modes of interaction in the world. Rachel, Rachel, uh, is discussed, and both of them, in fact, are discussed not only in the Midrashic rabbinic literature and in lots of other literature, but also very, very much in the Kabbalistic literature. The Arizal, who is kind of the master, if, if you like, philosopher of Kabbalah, but that's probably not the right word, um, who in the 16th century really gave the teachings that unlock uh, in a deep way, Kabbalah has chapters and chapters devoted to understanding what, what spiritual roots there are to both these, these great women, the mothers of the Jewish people, Rachel and Leah. And I think to kind of bring it down to our sort of level of understanding, Rachel, Rachel is the one who, who is able to interact with the world as it is right now, right? She's the one of beauty, the one who, who Jacob or Yaakov immediately sees resonance with right now. But not so much the long picture. She's buried on the journey. Right, that's where she is. She's part of the journey of this world. Leah is the mother or wife of the world to come, the way that Jewish people will be ultimately. So she doesn't yet shine forth with the great beauty right now. She doesn't shine in this world, but she's ultimately buried with, with Jacob, with Yaakov. And Rachel is the one who you immediately see in interaction. She's interacting with the world and its dynamic. Leah is building the family that will eventually shine in the world. And you see that personality in their children too. Rachel is the one, Rachel is the one who's trying to rectify the world right now. She tries to remove idols from her father's house. Leah leaves it alone. She's fighting for the long picture. Yosef, Joseph is going to shine right now, try to give circumcision to everybody in Egypt and make the world better right now. The other brother's attitude is much more, let's stay away from right now. And let's almost be passive in the world right now and fight to build something that will shine in the future. And each of them are critical 
right? You can't, you can't do one without the other, but you can see why the brothers are like, get rid of right now. Right now, we're in exile. Right now, the dominant culture is darkness and the great abyss, as we spoke about in earlier episodes. Right now, the world is not a world we can interact with. Let's just sit there waiting. Let's wait for the ultimate. And both of these personalities are echoed in Yaakov, in Jacob himself. If he's going to marry these two kind of almost opposite wives, that's because they both represent spiritual dynamics within him. And that came about when he took on his own twin brother's role. You see, originally there were two twin brothers, Yaakov and Esau, and they were both meant to get the blessings. And Yaakov was Ishtam Yosheva Holim, the Torah describes him. He was the man who sat in the tents. He didn't interact much with the world and all its challenges. He kind of, as all that stuff's going on, he sits deeply and kind of asks, okay, I'm now in the tent and I live within this tent that's going to shine in the future, but maybe despised in the present. And what do I do to attach myself to that future vision that God has so that eventually the world will get there? And Asa was out in the fields. He was already hunting and interacting with the world. And had the two of them worked correctly, they would have potentially been partners in this world. But of course, Asa goes wrong. And, and the mother Rivka says, Yaakov, you've got to get his blessing too. And he goes in and he takes on both personalities. He stands before his father who's blind and can't see. And he stands there on the one hand, his father says about him, hmm, Hakoil Kol Yaakov, the voice sounds like that voice of Jacob, of Yaakov, the one who sits in the tents and has a vision for the future and for whom I had a separate blessing, a separate bracha. But the hands, the interaction with the world, they're Esau. And he gives him the bracha, he gives him the blessing. And he's not sure exactly who he is. And that's because he's really both. In fact, there's a beautiful medrash that puts it this way. Later on, Yaakov then has to flee. He ends up going to see, to live with his father-in-law, Lavan, who is supposed to marry Rachel, Rachel, and he switches him for Leah. And in the morning, he wakes up, Vehine Leah, says the verse, and this is the pastor, it's Leah. And Yaakov, the medrash says that Yaakov says, whoa, he wakes in the morning and she's Leah. All night, you weren't Leah, you were Rachel, because when I cried out, Rachel, Rachel, what did you reply? And he calls a crook, the Ramai, you're the crook, Bas Ramai, you're the crook, the daughter of the crook. Right? The swindler, the daughter of the swindler. And she says back to him, and when your father said, Esau, Esau, what did you reply? When your father was blind, wanting to give the, a bracha to your brother, and you walked in the room instead of him, and he said, Esau, what did you reply? And you could say, ah, oh, that's like a, a great cutting remark, a kind of a touche moment, you know. You also cheated, so don't blame me, don't be a hypocrite. But the Swasemeth says something that's brought out in, in a beautiful work called Asufas Marachas of Rav Goldwicht, that actually what's going on over here is something much deeper. Leah's saying there were two sisters here and two brothers there and we were destined to marry one another. The four of us were destined to build the Jewish people. The one who could sit inside and, and hold out of this world, let go of this world, let go of interacting with it in order to live a pure form that would eventually lead humanity, live as citizens of the world to come and another who would live as citizens of the world as it is right now. The world as it will be and the world as it is now. And because Esau, who was des- destined to be the one who interacts with the world as it is now, went wrong, you were told by your mother, Yaakov, to take both roles. At that moment, you have to marry both of us. So when I say Rachel or Leah, when you took on the word, when you said Esau, you became my husband and her husband. And now Yaakov sits there with both personalities within him. He must be the one who who tries to bring the world to its maximal perfection as it is now, and the one who detaches from the world in order to live in its future state and get the world to it there. And that's a deep schism. And the moment he comes back to Israel, ready to re-encounter his brother, 
He's ready to actually deal with the same darkness that is the Hanukkah story and the same darkness that is the exile that his brother Esau puts us in for centuries afterwards. And we know that because when he leaves Israel, fleeing his brother, it says, Kivah Hashemesh, the sun set. The darkness has entered the world. And never again do we hear of the sun rising until he's ready to re-enter. Obviously, it rose every day, but it means the Torah is teaching us that on some level, there's a darkness. He's experiencing the exile, the darkness. The last two exiles from the very first verse of the, the very first day of the creation. The darkness on the face of the abyss. The darkness that the rabbis told us is Yavan, is Greece. He's in that darkness or an echo of it, right? Where his family has to stay strong in a world where it could assimilate back into Lavan's culture. And where there's a physical threat too. There's all different threats. And then is it the family's ready to encounter Aesov, right? That becomes the fourth exile, the great abyss. All night he wrestles with an angel. And in fact, he goes back for Pachim Ketanim, right? He's alone. Why is he alone? Because he went back to pick up small jars. Says the Madras, you went back for the small jars. You care about how to make holiness in everything. I will give your children a festival of the small jars. The festival of Hanukkah. And what's Yaakov wrestling? He is alone and he wrestles with a being. And the Rambam teaches us that you cannot encounter an angelic being unless in an inner prophetic state. And that echoes teachings of the Kabbalistic world that if he's alone, where's this other man? This other man is within him. It's the angel of Esau who struggles within him because he has those two personalities now within him. And can he reconcile the two of them? And all night long through the dark exile, he wrestles and struggles. And when he succeeds, he gets the name Israel, Israel. And then the Pasuk, the verse says, he brought the light into the world. The light came into the world because of him. And the Maharil in his commentary says, that Hebrew word that distinguishes just the light comes back into the world. He brings the light into the world. That Hebrew word, Lama Devav, 36. That's what it is. Like the 36 righteous people in every generation. Like the 36 lights of Hanukkah. One on the first, two on the second, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, the 36 lights of Hanukkah is Yaakov, is Jacob. Somewhere he's almost reconciled everything within him, almost been able to integrate these two personalities, but not quite. Because he was smashed on his left leg and he emerged from the encounter limping. Something about him was not quite perfect. The next passage says he came shalim, whole, to Shechem. But there's something limping within him that needs to be cured. And that means that his family is almost able to be integrated as one. But there's a fault line that can lead to the sale of Yosef, to schism, to tearing apart. Yosef is being sold. Somewhere the two sisters are not fully reconciled. Rachel is going to be buried on the, on the way. Of course, how many years of life does Rachel have? Says the Seder Olam. 36 years. You might be thinking, okay, so there's something going on fascinating of it. What about Leah? Well, remember, Yaakov lives inside the tent. The, the word, Hebrew word tent, oihel, is the same Hebrew letters as Leah. That's the environment which, within which he lives because that's the long run. And Leah, the gematria, the numerical weight of the name Leah, Lamed is 30, Aleph is 1, He is 5, is also 36. So Yaakov's entire being is, how do I bring these, this light into the world, which becomes the light of Hanukkah? How do I bring the 36 tzaddikim into the world? How do I bring the light that will dispel the darkness of Greece? And in that struggle, 
It's almost perfected, but not quite. Something needs to work to reconcile the two. And of course, later in history, this is exactly what Yosef is. Yosef is the attribute that says, I can go out into the world and, and bring holiness into the world right now. I can interact with the dark exiles and I can work it through. I can work with these other cultures and civilizations and bring Egypt to under circumcision, right? And I can do all that right now. And, and Leo's side says, yeah, but actually maybe we should stay away and maybe we should build the future. How do we integrate these two? And the hint is where Yaakov is limping. Because in the, if you like, the deeper texts that draw from Kabbalistic wisdom, each part of the body connects to a different attribute, manifests a different attribute. And Yosef is the attribute we call Yesoid or foundation. Right? He's called Tzaddik. He's the, he's the righteous one. And Tzaddik is in fact expressed in the menorah. Right? The, the Medrash says that, that in fact the Tzaddik is like the light, shines alike like the menorah itself. Right? That's what he is. And, and he, he shines the praise of Hashem into the world. The tzaddik is the one who praises God through his very being, right? The word that we call is halal, or is it praise Hashem? Whereas the attribute of leon is much more, is a different dimension. Yosef represents the parts of the body that are there for relationship, right? Where the brismila, circumcision is, the parts that can connect to other people. And that's what Yosef's entire life is. How he, can, he connects to everybody. He speaks their language. He's able to connect to an entire civilization and connect them to one another and to Hashem. The other attribute of Leah is it manifest in Yehuda, in Judah, and that is the attribute of what we call Malchus, kingship. Les le migarame klum, it has none of its own. And what Yehuda's expression is, is in fact in his very birth, is hoida'a. Leah says, I thank Hashem. Hoida'a sounds almost passive. I recognize your greatness. I, I have space to admit, to thank. That's what he does. Yehuda in his life, his greatness is born out in an episode where he admits that Tamar, his daughter-in-law, is correct and not him. It's lahoidos. It's to, to give thanks. And thanks is a state of almost passivity in creating space for the other. Whereas Yosef is, I want to advance and shine a light into the other. And those two polarities actually become our work of Hanukkah. We say in the prayers that are fixed to define Hanukkah. The rabbis fix the days of Hanukkah lahoidos. To admit and step back and give thanks to God. Ula Halal and to step forward and praise Him. Yehuda and Yosef. Rachel and Leah. And what integrates them and brings them together is something that is there in the legs of Yaakov. You see, Yosef is that relationship part. Yehuda is the expression that comes out of that. It's like when a couple produce a child, there's something greater than what the two of them inputted. What builds Malchus, what builds kingship of the descendants of Yehuda, what brings kingship of King David, is precisely that he never pushes himself forward. If you study in Tanakh exactly what happens, King David never, ever, ever pushes himself on the people. Even when the prophet Shmuel has told him, Samuel has told him he's going to be king, even when he's been anointed within his own people, he will not take up kingship until the whole nation builds him. Because the point of the kingship is he has no persona of his own whatsoever. He's the vehicle through which all the components come together and become one. The bit that allows all the cells in the body to become one and produce a conscious being that can house a soul within it, that can understand the mathematics of the entire universe, relate to its creator. That integrating force is Yehuda, is King David, is Malchus. Before then is a force that puts all the pieces into relationships with each other. That's Yosef. Yosef is out there trying to build the relationships. Yehuda and King David is the one that steps back and allows it all to come in. One is lahoidus, one is lahalal. One is to give thanks and admit and just step out the way and see how Hashem runs everything. And one is to step forward and praise. Both of them are key to the Hanukkah story. 
How do you fit these together? Because they seem to work differently. Our, our desire to interact with the world and, and, and be involved in the world and our desire to kind of step back and almost just let Hashem run the world. How do we put these two together? That comes together in how we heal the limping of Yaakov or Jacob in his wrestle through the night. And that is achieved through Hanukkah. How's that? That's going to be in our next episode that we study together. Hope to see you all then.